covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kylan alongside with my co-host and good friend Jim Mernier as we continue our NAL championship series for this week leading up to the 2021 NAL championship game. Now, if you had listened already to the Albany Empire episode that we did the day prior, awesome. You've made it to our Columbus edition. If you have not done that, well, I mean, you can listen to this, but I recommend you listen to both because we have focusing... We have the conversation focusing on both teams, separate episodes as well. And we also have different conversations on the second team and first team, all NAL teams. This episode will have the first team. The last one had the second. I recommend you check that out before you listen into this one here as well. Uh, you can find those in on your favorite podcast platforms that you're on right now. Uh, you can find it via our social, which is at InWallsPod. Again, that is at InWallsPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, follow along with the conversation because we might hit on a few points from that past episode that we will do on this one. But without further ado, we'll dive in to this episode. We're going to be talking about the Columbus Lions, and we're also going to be starting this off with the all with the all NAL first team selections, which the second team selections pretty stacked. Of course, again, this is a small, this is a pretty talented player pool for these six teams. So it was going to be a hard decision either way, but the first team is as follows. I will start off this time reading off the teams for you guys, and then we will get into what we had leading off from the offense, defense, then defense and special teams. Your quarterback selection, Mason Espinoza, which, by the way, also the league MVP. So we are uh, happy as the, as those here on the show that have had a chance to talk to him. Congratulations, Mason. Really uh, glad that you are going to have that award under your belt as well. It was well-deserved. Moving on down the line here on the first-team offense, full fullback Desmond Maxwell of the Orlando Predators landed that note. Receiving core for the first team was Darius Prince of the Albany Empire, Kendrick Ings of the Carolina Cobras, and DJ Myers of the Orlando Predators, who, by the way, also is in his rookie season in here, and I am understanding too. Meanwhile, on the offensive line side, on the two outside linemen, you have Nate Eis. I'm going to pronounce this badly. I'm sorry. Nate Isley's or Isles. I will get that name correct, correct off of the show for the Jersey flight. You also have Ruben Joseph for the Albany Empire and locking down the center position was Sean Lockett, who had been who him and Joseph had really been protecting Tommy Grady to an excellent degree this season. Meanwhile, on the all NAL defensive side uh, for the defensive linemen, you have Sean Daniels, of the Jersey flight. You have Ethan Farmer of the Carolina Cobras and locking down the nose tackle position is Ulrich Jones of the Columbus Lions The linebacking core for the first team selections are actually Albany Empire linebackers, so it's funny. We're going to have all NAL linebacking cores in the championship game on both sides of the ball. For this one, the middle linebacker, for the MAC linebacker, you had Patrick Macon for the Albany Empire, and the Jack linebacker will be Trevon Shorts as well. For the defensive back section, Marvin Ross of the Columbus Lions. You have Dwayne Hollis for the Jersey Flight, and Kenneth Magruder of the Albany Empire. And for the special team selections, you have kicker T.C. Stevens of Carolina Cobras and the only player on this list that makes it twice in the all NAL selections is Kendrick Ings once again as he locked down the kick returner on the first team. 
Jim, your initial thoughts on the first team all arena selections. My initial thoughts is that they got it right most of the all the way down to probably the kicker. Again, that's the debatable part of the whole first and second team on the, in, in the NAL community. But they got the quarterback right. A lot of people say, you see a lot of people go, well, Tommy Grady deserves it more. Well, I'm going to just say that Mason Espinosa has the better, the, he has the better interception to touchdown ratio of any team, of any quarterback in the NAL. But that's why he won it. Uh, but if you look at overall the receiver core, DJ Myers, well deserved. We said on this show that he should be first team. If he's left out, it should be shamed. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the the defense. All three of those DBs deserve it. Um, they were all over the field all all year long. And I'm really I'm one of those fans that look at this uh, first team, and I'm not mad. Uh, there there are some questionable positions. Um, the kicker, of course, and it, uh, everyone always debates about the quarterback, no matter what. And one of the one of the other positions that I think you could have swapped was the uh, the fullbacks. Uh, Crawford, in my opinion, had a hell of a year. Max Maxwell had a hell of a year. So those two guys deserve to be first and second team. And if you would have swapped them, I wouldn't have been bad. I wouldn't have been mad because it's still they still deserve it. Both of them deserve it. Um, but as an overall of the first team and the second team, can we have like an all-star game with the first team and second team? Because I think that'll be a tricky game to watch. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. That would be saying. so much fun. Oh, I mean, just saying. Right. NL, hello. And you can broadcast that too on YouTube. You yeah. Know, uh, players NL will get a little bit game. of extra change to go with that as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right after. I mean, do it either right after the NAL game or. Well, because they're going to have because usually the two, usually the first and second team. There's a lot of players on those championship teams. So I was going to say maybe you can have the the All Star game play on a Friday and have the championship game play on Sunday, but you can't do that because you have those same players playing the championship game. But uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be intriguing uh, intriguing game. And also, you had uh, Ross and Mason Espinosa when. But, uh, offensive and defensive MVPs. Uh, so congratulations to this guys, and of course, uh, to Kendrick Ing- uh, Ingles Isles for Ings. Carolina Ings won the uh, special teams award. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct, so he, he also actually got the rookie. Now he's not a rookie in the arena f- scheme, but the NAL will designate NAL as rookie. a rookie because it's his first time in the league. So he actually won rookie honors for the Cobras as well, or for the league honors as well, uh, through that too. So two honors go home with him as, as well. And might as well we get this whole list out of the way while we're talking about it in terms of individual awards. And I will go down this list really quick. So most valuable player, as I as we mentioned, Mason Espinosa was will take home that accolade. Offensive player of the year that I hinted at in the last show, Darius Prince will take that home. Defensive player of the year, Marvin Ross as Jim has just announced special teams player of the year actually went to TC Stevens. So 
that conversation can go even a little farther if you want past just the uh, all arena selections. But again, Stevens, hey, I can't argue with that as well. This gentleman had an excellent season with the Carolina Cobras. Kendrick Ings takes home the Offensive Rookie of the Year honors. He also, he also, it, well, actually, they don't have a special team, or that's why the special teams went to Stevens. That's where we're getting this mixed up. So he uh. had his own teammate take that. I take that back. Defensive Rookie of the Year honors goes to defensive lineman and linebacker Sean Daniels, and most improved player Lonnie Outlaw. Deserved. Very much True. deserved. He was he he was there for Mason, and Mason made him a great receiver this year. And I, like we mentioned last episode, wasn't mad that he was second team, but he 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 got observed and he got recognized by his peers and the coaches. So yeah, congratulations to Lonnie. Congratulations to Lonnie. Congratulations to all those award winners and to all the all NAL team members that are part of this selection, you know, heck of a season. Your talents were definitely not unrecognized. Uh, you made, you guys played excellent and made for entertaining football all across the board, you know, and all six teams are represented in this. So it just makes it, you know, obviously feels even better, you know, again, sure. It's six teams. Sure. It's a, you know, you have a more con, you have a more concentrated talent pool, but one that has plenty of guys that have played the top at the top level in arena and are pushing the NAL towards the top in the sport right now. So, you know, bravo to all of you. Really, you all get, you all deserve a not even you all deserve a big a round of applause from me and Jim here. You know, I'll, uh, I'll give that while I'm here. And uh, I'm yeah, clapping. You just can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm noted, <laughs> noted, Jim. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The great season, you know, overall, the, all these guys have made, made for a wonderful year. And it's going to, it's going to accumulate to a NAL championship game that I think for the most part, fans have been dying for. And I know I've been dying for, and we're going to be getting that here. It's going to be fun. Manifest destiny, my friend, like Manifest a great, uh, like a great philosopher said in week four. <laughs> Manifest destiny. Yep. <laughs> as so, as Columbus is getting too, I, I Albany Albany gets that nod, but I'll I'll even say it's the case with Columbus as well. Just felt like both of their paths were going to cross once again, and sure enough, here we are. And speaking of here we are, our another our second coaches interview is going to be on this one. As I hinted in our Albany episode, we had a chance, me and Jim, for this one, got to sit down and talk with head coach Jason Gibson of the Columbus Lions, having a conversation about their matchup with Orlando, talking about, of course, their upcoming keys to the game when it comes to you know taking place and going to travel to Albany for their contest at the times union center. So, and thinking about it as well, you know, we have to talk, of course, they're going to be on the road. So a little extra challenge. We had all these pieces and a little bit more in this conversation. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Joining us today for our national arena league championship series of podcasts. We've already talked to coach Tom Manas of the Albany empire. We are now joined by the opposing side coach, Jason Gibson of the Columbus lions joins us for our championship series, kind of talking the championship lead up as well as just uh, what is ahead and preparations for the game. Coach, thank you for joining both me and Jim today. Really appreciate it. Hope uh, things are going well preparing for your 2021 National Arena League Championship game. And also congrats for the championship berth. Thanks. 
Hey, no problem. Uh, I, was so blown away. I was so blown away by your intro. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, I, I gotta be thorough, you know, <laughs> give, yeah. give these guys all the credit they can, they can here. Uh, Jim, Jim, I know you have plenty of questions here for coach Gibson, of course. Um, I know for instance, uh, we're definitely gonna be curious, of course, road preparation. Cause obviously when I talk with Manas, uh, he's got the homestead. So it's more about preparing for, you know, really lead into the game fan festivities. We got as well for you guys. It's more, well, we have to get mentally prepared to go on the road to a crowd that I am almost guaranteeing at this point will be the largest in Albany for this year. If it's not, that will be insane. So a lot of more factors for you guys at play. Uh, I gotta tell you, I think I'd be rather preparing for the home game. This, this travels unbelievable. It's Mm -hmm. been a pain. I mean, I sat around, you know, as soon as we found out Saturday night, you know, go ahead and five days out, try to find a, a flight in Albany. And it was right. it was hectic. You know, I checked every airport, Hartford, Boston, you know, Philly, LaGuardia. It was just a pain. We finally got lucky and got a good good ticket price in the Trenton. But having to buy all those tickets and now you got to find bus travel. Thank God Ron hooked us up with some bus travel from Albany. But then you got to get meals. And that, that that's the thing. You know, it ate up two full days of preparation. I mean, literally did. So, you know. 80% operations, 20% football. It's, it's really, it really wasn't fun. And so I remember telling my wife that it's like, this championship week's supposed to be fun. This is the culmination of an entire season, yada, yada, yada. And right now it's not. Well, hey, who knows? Maybe the conclusion will be better than the start. You know, again, that you get to possibly play upset up in the Times Union Center. So yeah. um, myself, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll lead in. Uh, really is uh you you were besides albany i would say columbus to us was the de facto number two or right on the right. heels all year close losses or just key moments and losses went only to the empire really uh but both both teams high-powered offenses both teams multiple first or second nal all arena teams yeah i mean they've got your number you know but it's it's definitely third time's a charm seems to happen a lot more and it's harder to beat a team a third time in any football setting how, how do you do you look at it that way or just uh, learning well i thought the you know i could drop a bunch of excuses but i'm not um i thought they played well defensively the second time. The first time was, you know, we, we hadn't even, you know, when we, then, you know, the first game going up there, you know, Ron's a good guy. Ron's a great guy, their owner. You know, I like him. And, you know, when the thing happened with Ontario, I, I didn't want it to, I, again, I was looking at the league. I didn't sure, even have sure. linemen in camp. This was sat Sunday morning. And they're like, okay, do you guys want to go play, you know, leave Friday? And I'm like, holy cow, we haven't even started training camp yet. Right. But there was another team in the league, <clears throat> no names, that had the same bye week. They chose not to go. So I said, I'll go. Sure. And we went up there and then, and it was a learning experience. It was, you know, face some adversity. I thought it put us on a good path for the rest of the season. But then the second game, I got to tell you, I thought we were prepared and kind of opened my eyes up for some things. They played well defensively, but that game, I thought defensively played well enough to win. We got two turnovers. We got two picks off of Brady, um, two stops should have been enough, but we went one for five on fourth down. They did a great job on fourth down. They get, they did a great job getting us to fourth down. I made a couple really just horrific calls. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't mind getting beat. Um, but 
when you feel like you didn't do your best, maybe sometimes, or, you know, plus we got a couple of penalties. I mean, you know, we're sitting, we, we catch a pass, we're inside the two, we get a penalty backs up now second and 13. Mm-hmm. And I just thought we made too many mistakes in that game. You can't make mistakes against, you know, a, a, a veteran team like Albany. And, and God forbid, now you look at it, you know, as soon as that game's over, they had four more arena vets that are as good as any arena vet in the league. And they just added four more on top of the ones they already had. And of course, um, but that's a good challenge to face. So uh, after that game, we came up with a, a concept of what we were going to do, and, and we've been preparing for it ever since, to be honest with you. I mean, I use that same game plan. I'm not going to say play-wise, but our philosophy has changed a little bit. And so we knew we needed to change something if we saw them again. And um, to be honest with you, the pressure's all on them because I would rather – I always hated being the team that was expected to win. To me, I always felt that that was more pressure, way, way, way more pressure because you have everything to lose. I mean, I'm beyond, I've been in those shoes, you know, um, and a couple times, and I've been on both sides of it. And to beat somebody twice and then play them at home in the championship game, well, all the pressure's on them, not me. They have to win. They're supposed to win. If they don't win, it's a huge upset. If I win, oh, you can't beat somebody three times. They kind of expected it. So um, it kind of really makes it a lot easier for us, to be honest with you. I can see that underdog mentality definitely, you know, it gets a little off your shoulders for, per se. And actually, it's funny if you talk to <laughs> talking to Manas, you know, they they've made it in Albany. They're kind of uh, at least they had the playoff guarantee and there's even a farther championship ter- type of guarantee with some. So you want to talk about pressure. Um, they have plenty of stuff that they're trying to bank on as well that yeah. they have mentioned, too. So I, I completely understand that. Um, I mean, if- yeah, I just want a good game, to be honest with you. And and two of the best games I've ever been a part of in arena football, we lost. Huh. And I'm not mad. I mean, yeah, it hurt. I get that. I put a lot of energy, put a lot of time into it. But but it was good for the game. It was good for the fans. It was good for the sport. I mean, the game that everybody talks about, and this was years and years ago, we lost. People were talking about that game for two weeks at the water cooler at work you know, on the radio, what a game on once you see that. They don't, they don't talk about the game we won 86 to 13, you know? Right. And so from a championship standpoint, from a league standpoint, that's what I love to see. I want it to come down to the last possession. Obviously I want to win. Um, but I also want the league to succeed and I want the league to win. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I like the language even before we started this conversation, you know, all, growth of the league it's the it's everyone's in it for you know to help grow the sport that we're trying to get back to at least a popularity that was you know just a decade ago and that's what yeah. i think is crazy is that we're trying to get back to that point it's it was such a rapid decline but you know this only can help you know for yourselves i i want to ask you know the the empire their legacy in their short time in terms of the afl and the nal you know uh, it, it's been, they've had the heartbreak, heartbreak. They've also had the championship and glory as well in the NAL for Columbus. I know that, you know, there have been some heartbreaks for this team, you know, in, in its short, yeah. in, in terms of when it, it's NAL history, it's come close, but no cigar so far, you know, and some, you could argue that's a monkey on your back type of situation. Do you look at it as that way? Or are you trying no, to just look I, I, at what's ahead? I really don't. I mean, the first year that we made it, I, that was a fun year. That was you know, I think we finished the season with four straight games on a road, going to Mexico. We had an unbelievable comeback at Lehigh Valley. And that was fun because back then we were the 
you know, coming up from the AIF or the SIFL or the PI, whatever league we started, whatever letter it started with. Sure. And, you know, Jacksonville was supposedly coming down, you know, and that's not, it's, it was never about coming down and coming up because even back in the day, the, AN, the, the AFL was playing with players from the PIFL. They were, they were just paying them more. So, so if you take player A and you're paying them 250 bucks, if you're paying him $800 the next year, is he automatically a better player? He's the same player, just paying him more. Um, but when we played Jacksonville that year, that was a fun year for me because it was kind of us against the world mentality. It was, it was money ball. It was the Oakland A's versus the New York Yankees. I mean, everybody knew Jacksonville was spending an arm and a leg for their players. Mm-hmm. And, and it was fun to try to prove everybody wrong that you didn't need to spend all that money. You could still win. And we were a fumble snap away on the five yard line with 12 seconds left. Um, so that one hurt a little bit. The one at Carolina, we just got our butt whipped. I mean, just to be honest, we had already beaten Carolina twice that year with Espinosa at quarterback. So we were in the same situation we're talking about right now. We had played Carolina. We'd swept them during the season. Espinosa blows his knee out. We go into the championship game, minus our starting quarterback, minus our starting left tackle, Nate Isles was out, and minus all three receivers. Fortson was out. Deron Neal was out. I had three free agents. We went up to Massachusetts and squeaked by and beat the number one seed. And then we go to Carolina, and they just whooped the snot out of those guys, those bunch of free agents we had. I mean, that's just – it is what it is. So, yeah, I don't care anything wrong with that game. Um, so, it's not a monkey on my back, but we got to do something to, to change the history of, the, of, the, of what's going on. I don't want to be the Marv Levy of arena football. But you still got to get there. So there's four teams sitting at home right now. They're going to be watching. Yeah, just getting there, you know, it's an impressive accomplishment in its own right. Got got to take something home for that. You know, that's I mean, Marv Levy is one of the greatest of all time. He, you know, yeah. didn't win a championship in the NFL, but he got four times. You know, we talk with the players. I just I, I want to win it. So look, it's not about me. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I got a great life. I got a great wife. I love what I do. I love coaching guys. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. And, and nothing's going to change for me, okay? But there's a lot of people in the organization, uh, great players that make a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of staff members on my staff that make the sacrifice that want to be part of a winning team. I owe it to them. I feel more pressure to win a championship for my staff and for my, my, my family and friends and the people that put all this time into it and really enjoy the sport. That's what, what drives me. Um, to, to win it. I mean, uh, and for my players, they deserve it. They deserve it. And the fans deserve it. And and I could go on and on about that. It's just, you know, it's, 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 it's never, it was never about me. It's not like, can I hurt and give up and hold up a trophy? I, I, I'm a winner anyway. Mm-hmm. So I just want it for those people. And I could name off, you know, my, my Tanima and, and Alan Mink, my ops, my ops guy. I mean, this guy's one of the hardest working dudes I've ever met. And, and they deserve it. They deserve a ring. And, and Terry Gore and my ownership and my film guy, Derek, and my guys that do the field, Adam Dotson. And uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. You know, Chelsea and, geez, I don't want to leave anybody out. Somebody's going to get mad and hear this and get mad. <laughs> but it's just so many people behind the scenes that nobody sees. They deserve to win this thing. And I, and I owe it to them. Jim? So, Coach, let's get to – the season and to the championship game. First off, describe the quarterback that you have in Mason Espinoza. He's having a, even though it's an eight-week season, he's having a career year. 
he leads the league in passing yards. Uh, interception to touchdown ratio is the lowest. He, me and Zach both agree that he is this this year's MVP. If he doesn't get the reward, someone needs to get fired. Uh, but tell me about what you think about your quarterback and how he's played this whole season. I mean, you pretty much just said it in a nutshell. I mean, even the last season he was here before he got hurt, y'all, he was 72 touchdowns and two picks. So this year isn't a fluke year. He's, he's the – and the fans voted on him a couple of years ago. They voted him the number one arena quarterback in the country, and it's, it's true. You have no idea how hard this guy works, man. He understands this game. He's a coach. And, and, and what I'm going to miss the most, I don't know if it's going to be his last year or not. I hope not, but you never know, is the, the game plan that we spend during the week watching film talking on the phone, the figuring things out and in and, and the throws and to watch him. I remember watching him for the Erie Freeze the first time we were playing against him. He was right out of college. I remember watching him, and that team wasn't very good, but he was. And I watched that film, and I told somebody, I remember telling the coach staff, I said, holy cow, this kid can play. And I went out next year and went out of my way to try to sign him. And uh, he is the best quarterback in the league. No disrespect to Tommy. But Tommy's been doing this a long time. So don't, don't take that the wrong way and act like it's bull and ball material. Um, Tommy's is, is 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 obviously a tier one, top level, primo quarterback. I guarantee you right now, and I will get in trouble for this, if Tommy Grady ain't playing on the Albany Empire, we ain't having this conversation right now. So, um, and, and, and same could be said for Columbus, to be honest with you. I mean, those two guys are at another level of playing, and everybody sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he makes some throws, but his knowledge of the game, oh, wow. I mean, and I love the banter. I love the not, not banter, but just the, the communication that me and him have in a game where he sees something or I see something. Hey, let's do this. How about this? And, you know, we've been doing it for years now, and it's so much fun to coach him, you know, and uh, it's fun. Well, when we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, he – Basically, what you mentioned earlier, what play that he regrets the most or wish he could relive is that championship game in Jackson. Um, that one fumble, you guys drove all the way down the field and Jacksonville made the play. Um, but go ahead. You did a video on that, didn't you? Yes, I did. I tell you what, I think I remember which one you did. I remember there's a, a clip in it, and I think it was – that was special for that year. You could see it, and you, you caught it on camera pretty good. You could see the, the pure just disappointment in his face, you know. And then others, too. There's another clip of Chris Pickett, safety, and there's a clip of Ken Washington in the locker room. That team just cared. I mean, they cared. And uh, for it to end like that, when I – yeah, I mean, that, that's a game I'll probably never, ever forget, ever. And I've been in almost – I was telling somebody the other day between arena and college and Europe and high school. I've been, I've been in 350, almost 400 football games. I remember that one. Yeah, it was a tough loss, and you guys went toe-to-toe. I was in the building being a Sharks fan, just not in podcast time at that time. Um, I was happy because they won, but – for me and Zach, we're big-time arena football fans. We love this league. Uh, we love the sport, and we just – it's a shame that it doesn't get a following. And when yeah. – it's for me, I go around the community and say, yeah, Mason has been those and the Columbus Lions are coming to town. They're like, what? You mean from Ohio? It's like, no, not from Ohio, from Georgia. <laughs> People don't even know there's a Columbus, Georgia. 
Um, I, I did and, either when I took the job. I was going <laughs> to hire too. So. Um, but speaking of your team, like me and Zach have mentioned multiple times on the podcast that Columbus is the best defense in the league. We've always we've compared teams playing against the Jersey flight. And it's like, well, they have a good defense, but they're playing Columbus next week. And Columbus is going to do exactly the same thing, but more than the Jer- Jersey's defense. And when that team yeah. plays you guys, it happens. It's like clockwork. It's your defense with uh, especially, the, I think, defensive MVP Marvin Ross. I'm not, you know, sugarcoating it. He's been everywhere you see him on the field, he's there uh, where the ball is at. So, yeah. What is your plan? I know you played him twice already, and you, you got him almost. You almost got him in week one, but now you get him in the big time game. Your defense against that offense. It seems every time Albany come plays you guys, they have new people on the offensive side of the ball. What type of adjustments do you think you're going to have to make during this championship game to limit their offense and honestly take their offense out of the game plan, like you guys did against the Orlando Predators last week? Well, it's kind of weird. I think one of you guys said something earlier about certain teams play certain teams well and, and vice versa. You know, you look at how Jersey played them. They played them pretty good, you know, um, defensively. And I, and I would agree with you. When you look across the defensive side of the ball, we, we've got some players. We've got some really good players. You know, he starts up front with York Jones. You know, I think he leads the league in sacks. But good God, look at the DBs we have. You're talking about Maurice Leggett. Um, Marvin Ross, and, and, and the most unsung hero is Rodney Hall. He's only given up one touchdown the entire – he didn't get first or second team voting, but, you know, that's another story down the road. We can correct that next year. I think the media needs to be involved, and I think the fans need to be involved in voting, not coaches and owners. Only, owners don't even know what the hell they're looking at. Um, well, our, our, our poll hasn't come out yet. So, ours comes out after championship. We do first, second team, and MVP. Okay. So, we have, we'll have Rodney, more of a – more of the basis, but yes, keep going. Yeah, but you know, but Rodney was so God, what a lockdown. But anyway, you put those three veterans together, and you add it with a veteran Jack like Lenroy Naismith, and then we, you know, a Kawan Alford out of Memphis, who we started out as a defensive end. Matter of fact, I almost cut him. Um, but God, I'm glad I didn't because he's a great person. But his speed and his athleticism, it's just weird. It's just combined. And and the teams that I've had, the best teams in the past, the teams that really. They won the championship. Our defense was lights out. I, and I don't – this defense, as you're right, this year, it is lights out. Now, what does that do against Albany? I mean, you, you know, of course, they added Ruffins and they added Richardson. And then, I mean, I don't know how many more people they could possibly add. They did some really good upgrades. Um, but, obviously, Darius Prince drives that offense, you know. Um, Darius is a really good receiver. And, you know, watching Darius come from Lehigh Valley to watch his, his – um, his path to get to where he's at now, got to give him credit, you know, exceptional ball player makes big time plays. What we have to do is be able to get in front and allow our defense to play relentless. You know, the last two times we jumped in a trail technique and it's playing catch up ball. And, and then, you know, and then uh, Albany's offense is able to kind of nickel and dime, pick and choose and then go deep and then go short and then run the ball. And then, then it kind of got you. Uh, then it becomes a possession game and you're playing catch up. We have to make sure that we're not in that mode. But defensively, uh, we got a couple surprises, but I like my chances with the DBs that we have. So for the defensive game plan, what, what is it more like? You want to target and slow down Grady or shut down his weapons? What, what would be more effective for you guys this week? My opinion, I think you 
let Grady do his thing, but you settle, you try to shut down one of the receivers to let his offense well, be a little less than it has been over the last couple of weeks. Tell you what, you got a pretty good analysis. I might have to hire you on staff. Um, it's probably, I, I'm probably going to lean more towards what you say. Um, it's going to be hard to get to him. He, he's just too good of a quarterback. He knows how to get rid of the ball. He knows how to check down. You know, you can't go into a game thinking you're going to sack him five times in one game. Uh, you just got to get him off his mark. Uh, um, redirect receiver. I think you got to put your hands on people. You know, I played receiver a long time ago, and you got you, you just got to put your hands on people and, and make them make the throw and make the catch. And if they do, then it's arena football. You know, good for you. But you got to create opportunity. You can't just sit there and hope that they make a mistake. You got to want to make them make the mistake. And uh, I think Richardson's a threat. I think Richardson's a huge threat. That has been the the single handedly biggest uh, addition to, in my book because I think that complements their offense. I think it takes pressure off the pass rush. I think he was a good threat running the ball. Uh, go ahead. I was just saying the same thing to Coach Manas in the interview as well where I had 2AT because after, after they released Derek Ross, the first game after where they were trying to figure out their run game, I was thinking, man, this is not the same offense. They're trying so hard to do more jet sweep runs with receivers. There's no one that can really go in the middle. And they pick up Jeremy Richardson, and uh, dude's already a player of the week once since he's been in in a short time. And yeah, I, that just I, keys I, right in. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, I, to me, that was the, the biggest key addition for them. That was a huge upgrade. I, I think once uh, Ross went down or Ross left or whatever happened, um, I, they won a game or two with some other dudes at fullback, and they I, I know exactly what happened. Tommy Grady said, I'm not playing with this. Um, they went out and found themselves a vet. That's exactly what happened. He's no dummy, and I don't blame him. Um, and, and, and they've slowly have had players get exposed, and they have slowly replaced them with better players, and it's smart. So, Coach, final question for you. This is going to be very easy. No. For you there. <laughs> okay, I won't answer this. Give you <laughs> um, your team this year has, in my opinion, besides the Albany games, has dominated everybody they play. And that becomes of you and your coaching style and how you present yourself as an individual. You see it in your team. What, in your opinion, makes your team so special that you believe they will win this, uh, this Saturday? In Albany. Oh wow! I mean, I, the, it was obvious we got talent. I, I know that the talent doesn't always win football games. I think you have guys that genuinely care about each other. You know, I don't have a bunch of hired guns where I just went out and said, "Okay, what free agents are on the market?" You know, let's try to put this thing together, win a couple of games. I, I've, I think I've got legitimate guys that generally care, um, you know, I'm, you know, and, and, and deep down, we, we, we care about our players. You know, we, we've got the way my staff takes care of the players. You know, I talked about Alan, uh, what we do for them. Uh, I hear horror stories of other teams of how the players are treated. I feel like we treat them the best we can for the, you know, for the money ball style of, of organization that we are. And it's okay. But I tell them, I've been around 15 years for a reason, you know, 
but we try to do the right thing. We try, and it's not always perfect. And I tell the players, something's going to go wrong. It's not always going to be perfect, but let's just communicate and try to figure it out. And, 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 you know, we got fans that show up that give gifts out every Wednesday night at practice. They pass out, you know, gear and hats and we buy, you know, we have goodie bags. So we, our players get adopted by our fans. That's awesome. And every road trip, they have a list of what their favorite snacks are, and they have all those snacks in a bag with their name on it, and they pick it up before they get on the bus. And so you just try to treat people right, and, and I think that's the difference. And when you care about the person beside you, you'll do whatever it takes to make sure that they have success as well. And that's what happens on defense. It's never really been about finger pointing and, oh, you blew the coverage, and you got to get your act right. It's always been, I got your back, man. I got your back, and we're going to take care of our own. And that's what makes really, really great teams, and that's what I think, I got to tell you, um, Albany's had our number. They really have. Um, and you're right. You know, we've played the other teams, and it really hasn't really even been close. It's been a dominant performance from start to finish, but for some reason they got our number. But that something about those guys being together, I think at the end of the day, it's going to pull us through. Manifest destiny is what I was calling you and Albany with just how this season's gone. It just felt like early on, it was going to be these two, you know, we had some, we had maybe possibilities of, you know, everyone thinks about the sharks will make a run or, you know, Carolina would get back into it, but Columbus, Albany, the two at the end, two that we thought were going to make it even from possible from week one on from just the way you guys played. So here we are. Um, It's weird, you know, we started the season there and we're going to finish it there. Right. Right. So, and I mean, the first game was great in its own right. So, you know, yeah, but I, this time, if you leave, you can be leaving with some trophy with a trophy. So that's better than week one. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was trying to say. No, <laughs> no pressure. I mean, I'd rather, <laughs> you know, weird. when we left that building, I knew that that game had a lot of, you know, when we played that game. Um, and we lost that first game. I knew. I said, "Oh man, this is it's going to be a hard road to try to get that number one seed." That really put us already in the back seat, just just from that. And I mean, looking at the schedule, and I didn't know Jacksonville. I didn't know if the foul was going to get hurt. I thought that was a backbreaker with any team. You know, you lose your starting quarterback. I mean, obviously, again, I go back to the year we lost to the Cobras. You lose your starting quarterback, you're dead in the water. Right. A lot of times. Um, but I knew. I was like, you know what? We're going to be back at this building. I just knew it. I knew it. We'd be back at this building. And then here we are and back to the building back, but you know, well, it's coming Saturday. It all ends at least this year. It all ends from where it started. Uh, Coach Gibson, thank you very much for your time. You know, we, we wish you the best here and uh, you know, good fortune for your guys as well uh, in this, in the championship here that coming this Saturday. So it should be a blast. I'm very much. I'm excited just for how the first two matchups were. I can only expect uh, an excellent game again. Well, I really appreciate what you guys do for the league. Uh, you know, you know, I'm here to help at any time. Whatever you need, let me know. But just the enthusiasm, the videos you do, uh, Jim, are unbelievable, man. So um, just really appreciate it, man. That's that's what I mean, it keeps me employed, and I don't. I don't take that lightly. You know, I got a great life, and I got kids, and we rely on this sport. You know, I rely on this for my livelihood. And so when you guys put the energy that you do into it, it makes me feel good and uh, it makes me appreciative.
Well, we appreciate that. That's uh, it's really nice to hear. Special thanks once again to head coach Jason Gibson of the Columbus Lions. As with, of course, the Albany Empire, we wish the Columbus Lions the best and wish them a chance at getting their first ever title in the NAL. As we, of course, talked in our conversation, Jim, they've they've had their moments. They've been at the top. You know, they've had to, of course, have heartbreak. You know, can they do it this time is the big thing. I know that he he, as Jason mentioned in our talk, he recognizes that. But I think he realizes that they have a special roster here and they have an opportunity to where they can take down really the big guys of the NAL this year. You know, the team that stocked up, the team that, you know, for the most part, I think preseason people felt was going to be here from the beginning. Well, if you if you take away the losses to Albany this year, Mm -hmm. Columbus has dominated everybody they played. Like handily beating them, absolutely. And their Achilles heel, like you heard from Coach Gibson, they just—it's matchups. One team can own someone else, but they always play this one, this team, and they just—they struggle, or there's just something there that they can't overcome. Sometimes that's called mental; it's in your head, and sometimes that goes into the game plan. But this whole season. You have said it before, and we said it in this podcast, this podcast and yesterday's podcast or the Albany preview podcast. It's Manifest Destiny. These two teams are meant to play each other this year. And you look at Columbus, you look at how they played throughout the year. They're, they, they're loaded. You look at Albany, you go, man, they have an offense. They're loaded. You look at, all, you look at Columbus, you go, damn, they're loaded too. And that just tells you how Columbus takes care of business this year because everyone else they play this year, they take care of them. Just like this past weekend, Columbus basically took care of Orlando early. Orlando then found their groove in the third quarter to get, you know, make it a little bit interesting. But in the fourth quarter, it was just, it was all Columbus. They were getting turnovers, they were scoring, and Mason Espinosa was just tearing apart Orlando's secondary, and that usually happens. And uh, honestly, interceptions, bad turnovers, always detect the game. But in last week's game against Orlando, when you only have a deuce on the scoreboard, um, it's not good. You're you're not going to win the game when it's deep in the second quarter and you have two points on the board. I think at one point they're almost I think they were down almost four possessions at one point last week. Yes. And that's not good. You're not going to win games down four possessions, especially in the arena ball. You might get a chance to steal a possession here and there. But when you put yourself back in the behind the eight ball, four possessions, you're done. It almost to me when I was watching this game, it gave me the same vibes when Columbus played Jacksonville and Jacksonville a few weeks ago where at halftime the game was over, you knew who won. Yeah. And that this game had that vibe. Then, Car- then Car- uh, Orlando came back and was like, you know, we're going to fight. And th- they did. And I really appreciate their grit. They did fight. They weren't going to just roll over. And they made it very competitive. And that just tells you that this Orlando team, especially the circumstances they've had this, all- this season, uh, which we it was brought to our attention today um, via 
the quarterback for the Orlando Predators. Um, just makes you really think if they had extra time, the games would have been different this year. But congratulations to Orlando on a good season. Um, you brought the Predators back to Orlando this year, and the fans just show up to support. So the city knows you're going the right direction. It's unfortunately that Mother Nature and the state of Florida just didn't want you guys to get back too fast. Four practices. That's what yeah. that's what Patrick O'Brien wrote on on Facebook was that they had an end credit, maybe four full practices. It wasn't completely implied, but it sounded like it was four total practices all year. And you finish four and four. You have you have a continuously growing fan base, it seems, with this year that it seems like people were buying back in. This is a success all around. Uh so you know, we've been praising them all season and you got to, even with, you know, even with what I would say was a lackluster performance by the predators, at least to end the year, um, you know, you got to give praise. They've got some positivity to build into next season with, you know, they have an organization. I think that's on the right track is definitely, it's definitely in sync. I, it looks like with what the NAL wants to do and what the owners want to do with growing this league. So it's great to see. So, you know, nothing to take away from them. Uh, Honestly, if you're looking at the game, it's just, you know, we're talking possessions. You can't fall behind 27 to two. You can't, you know, and I know the practices obviously have something to go into that with having being in sync with the receivers and being, you know, getting timings right and, you know, being able to work on technique. But, you know, they've, for how sneakily good Orlando is, you know, you have to, you know, defensively, that is, you know, you have to pick up the slack on the offensive side of the ball somehow. Yeah. And I think one thing that stood out to me, you know, DJ Myers, excellent game, uh, 141 yards in his own right. Again, I'm based this on the NAL stats, so keep those in mind. That's what I am reading that the league put down. Uh, you know, Prince Janola, 110. Joe Hills, you know, the big marquee signing, one catch, five yards. Now, that was a touchdown. And maybe there was something else to play at that time, but five yard touchdown pass. And that's all that you hear from him from a, a guy that was making quite a wave as a signing to end the season. doesn't seem right to me, you know, we, and we just talked about this with uh, the Albany episode, talk about balanced passing attack. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if Joe's in there? Doesn't that throw off? I mean, isn't that something that you're worried about, at least when it comes to how Columbus has had to deal with in their losses that, you know, they get over, it seems like they're overwhelmed with the amount of talent on the, the Albany side. I would say it would be reasonable to say Orlando could overwhelm then if you have Hills get a little more action or maybe they'll, or, you know, it's, or who knows? I, I just, I was finding it fascinating that that seemed to not, be a game that hills could stand out even with the short time frame and for the fact that in the loss to carolina a week prior he was the focal point of the offense and he disappears well he didn't disappear you gotta look on who was covering him that's true yeah i'll give him that but if you if you go back and watch that game again it just felt like o'brien was having a hard time getting the ball it felt like he was a constant battle with the center. And when he did have chances to read the the coverage, he was getting sacked. And 
that's why I said about like we've talked about what we said about uh, Coach Gibson about when teams play the Jersey and then their next team they play is Columbus. So you're playing Jersey, they have a good defense. Well, you're going to play a guy, a team that's going to be full of steroids because they're a better defense in Columbus. Right. I look I look at Orlando and, and people say, oh, well, Brian had a bad game. Joe Hills had a bad game. I look at that Columbus defense. There's a reason why it was 27 to 2, almost in halftime or at halftime. It's that defense. And when that defense makes stops, no one's stopping that offense. Especially Orlando or Jacksonville, when Mason's on, you ain't stopping them, and they didn't. And when you get down four possessions to that type of offense and that defense and how they were playing, I think in the third quarter, even though Orlando made it interesting, I think Columbus actually, in you know, set on cruise control for a while, and then when it got within two possessions, they're like, ah, oh, this ain't this ain't happening. And then they pulled away again, and it, it's what, right. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's what felt like, and like they knew the game was over at halftime, so it was almost to a point. It's like, okay, are they going to put the backups in? They're going to get the younger guys some the time. No, they didn't. They just let you know the time go. Orlando made their little run, then they were like, nope, <laughs> we ain't doing it. I'm afraid not. <laughs> nope, we ain't doing it. We, we ain't doing it. We're going to finish it off here and now, get this game over with. And it wasn't really scoreboard watching because both games were happening at the same time. And technically, both games almost at one point had the same score at the same That's time. Right. So so both games were already done, even though they were like six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I feel, for me, for the Orlando side of things, even though they lost this game, you go look at the season, and even though with the practice situation, um, the Predators are the organization and the history of the Predators are back. Um, Bennett has did a great job. The ownership has brought back this a team that the city will love. So even though it's a loss in the playoffs, it's a win for the organization. And I expect Orlando to come back next year with a good-sized fan base and to pack Amway Center and to make it the actual garden again. And not garden, excuse me, jungle. Apologize. Uh, that was like that was trending yet on Saturday Garden. They were calling it the Orlando Garden because the real jungle is in Columbus. Just saying that that's some, <laughs> it was it was a stupid tweet that was trending, but it was funny. But yeah, uh, even though it was a loss for uh, the Carolina, or excuse me, Orlando. I'm naming every single team besides Orlando. Uh, even though it was a loss, I think it was a positive uh, day for the organization for the Predators for the 2022 uh, offseason or 2021 offseason and the 2022 season. Brighter days ahead for the Predators, for sure. They they might they'd have nothing to hang their heads heads for. Organization's been doing great, and you know you can only hope for the best moving forward. You know we've heard these praises from other people from other people in the league too, or that are you know working with the working in teams in the league that they're happy with how they're they've turned out. So right. you know really it's gonna be awesome. They're 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 on the right path. They're gonna be even better, I imagine, by next year. In, in attendance and just representing themselves there and, you know, hopefully get another playoff berth and, you know, get a roster that you can build up again. And when what will be probably a more competitive NAL next year with what is supposed to be expansion news on the horizon. So, you know, fun times ahead, really fun times ahead for the league and for them in particular, you know, who's going to have a lot of fun this weekend. Once they get there, 
is going to be Columbus. I know that I know that Gibson, uh, the travel, of course, was going to be an issue, as we heard in that discussion. Um, but, you know, if that's that's going to be, of course, something that they'll have to factor in. But that's not a main key to the game. Uh, they've had two different losses so far this season to the Albany Empire. Both games, I think, in in my honesty, have felt different uh, for a few reasons. A, the rosters and how they were affected for the season's beginnings have also have were different than they were a few weeks prior for their second re, for their rematch in the second time. Uh, now you get a third match here. Columbus goes back to Albany. They have lost twice now. They have plenty of understanding. You can you can tell with how Jason was talking to us that they know what they need to do, but we're still going to lay out three keys to the game here. So Jim, give me your three keys and uh, I'll be glad to either counter or finish those. Uh, Three keys to the game for the Columbus lions to win the game. I'm not going to take any shots here, but number one, convert on your fourth downs. That's what happened the last time against Albany. You could have convert on your fourth downs and that killed a lot of the drives and a lot of the game. And that made the Albany Empire win. Uh, key number two, let Mason eat. Meaning let him be himself like he's been all year long. If he goes out there and tears up the secondary, that means Columbus has a great chance to win his game. And number three is a key, big key for me for this, uh, for this uh, game, is the front five of the Columbus Lions defense. Like I said about the Albany offensive line in the last podcast, on this one, it's the Columbus Lions defense. Get to Tommy Grady, rush him up the middle, get him out of the pocket, let him run. He's not as good on the run as he is in the pocket. The more you get him on the run, the better advantage you have. Unlike Grady, Mason does have some more ability, not too much more ability, but he has more ability. Um, for that, I think the edge of the quarterbacks will come down to see what offensive line keeps their man up, up standing. And for Columbus to win this game, if they can get the Grady and they can keep Mason up top, up I mean upright, they'll win the game. Mm-hmm. I think the line is definitely going to be, of course, a a no challenge. Uh, I mean, if we're talking Albany, you know. They're no slouch defensively, as we've listed off, you know, just with the talent in the all in the all NAL section. Uh, let's put my keys to the game down here. One of them is going to overlap instantly, as you mentioned. Convert your fourth downs or just don't get in that situation in the first place. Uh, be put the Albany defense on its toes, don't give them opportunities to feed off crowd noise again. You and I expect this to be the largest game that will be in the Times Union Center this year you cannot give the crowd any leeway. And the last time that they were in Albany, they, you know, that was a restricted crowd definitely was smaller than any of the other crowds in the season. So you're going to be faced with a much more monumentous crowd noise factor. Now credit, they played in Jacksonville. They know how to play out there. You can probably play in times union, but still don't give them any opportunity to feed off the crowd fourth down situations and fourth down conversions that just puts the crowd in their favor. That gives that Albany team a little more juice. It's always a lot more fun to play at home. Just try and, you know, deter that as much as you can and convert your fourth downs. Number two, 
play as much mistake-free football as possible. In both of these matchups this season, Columbus has been on the losing end of the mistake category in terms of whether it is the conversion, whether it's turnovers, you know, and Columbus has played Albany tight. You know, I, they've played them really well. Uh, they've given, they've given them, I would say scares and they've had to make Albany play their best football of the season. You know, if not for week one, definitely, definitely back two weeks ago. So you are going to have to play your best game of the season and be as mistake free as possible. And Columbus has dominated opponents, but they've been able to get away. I think at times on talent alone, this is a contest. You can't just rely on your talent, your mechanics, your timing, your understanding of defensive schemes and understanding of what Albany does well is going to come into such a critical factor in this contest. If you want to win this third matchup, you know, take everything you've learned and put it to good use. So mistake-free football for sure. And number three, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to put this on the defense here with, you know, that, that back, that back five, you know, in terms of your linebacking core and your secondary, find a way to either make a receive, either make it a one-dimensional offense in terms of a, in terms of your receivers or play the best game of your life. You know, and I know that plays in number two a little bit, but in terms of, like I said, you, as we've seen in the one loss that Albany's had this year, and it, I think we've seen it throughout, throughout the season when Albany's played teams close, if you lock down just one, you know, if you let Darius Prince eat, but not say gorge on your defense and you know, you're able to contain Malachi Jones and Philip Barnett. I think you have some leeway, you know, Jeremy Richardson's the X factor that wasn't there before, but I think if you make that offense one dimensional to where it's not that one particular player is dominating over that it is getting out and sneaking out because the other's dominating and you just limit it to one guy to worry about, then you have a chance because you're going to be able to then get Tommy off of his toes. Pressure can get in his face, you know, maybe a little more errant passes or throws possible interception. It's a, it of course is a possession game. Turnovers are even more crucial in the arena game. That's what you're looking for. And that's what Albany's capitalized on in their first two matchups. You have to take that aggression and be that team in this third one. And that's going to be especially key since Albany's been the one getting those lucky breaks for the most part in those first two meetings, this third one, Columbus has to be that team and this will be the best game they'll have to play all year. And that, that might not even be enough, you know, as we go to the picks, I I'll just say it. I don't know if it'll be enough either. And I'm actually going to pick Albany here. Um, it's going to be a one possession game. I think, I think that you're going to see fireworks on the scoreboard, something similar to week one's 60 to 65 loss that the lions had, or that Albany Albany's own victory there at the times union center. Um, it's going to, yeah, but it's going to be fireworks though. And it's going to be one heck of a championship game if you ask me, but I think Albany is just too well-rounded across the board. And that's saying something since Columbus is pretty damn well-rounded. Albany is just that much more in with the depth. I got Albany in this. Give me something like, I'm going to say 60 to 54 final score. Albany's going to walk away with the 2021 NEL championship trophy and confetti raining from the times union center rafters. Ah, okay. 
I agree with everything you say that needs to happen for both sides, both teams. But one thing that I've noticed in all sports, especially for football, it's hard to beat the same team three times. Ain't that the truth? I experienced it firsthand with the 1999 Jacksonville Jaguars, the dang Tennessee Titans. Just, just going to say that. But I look at Columbus. I look at their offense. I look at the defense. I see them and go, they're the best team in the league if Albany wasn't in the league. Because they've dominated everybody from day one besides Albany. Albany has the Cats. They got Malachi. They got uh, Prince. They got Burnett. They got Ruffins. They have Grady. They have Manos. They have the best kicker. Albany has everything. This is going to be a shootout, ladies and gentlemen. 70-some points could be scored in this game by both teams. Could. Will it? Be nice. I'll just bring back the old feeling of the old arena football days where we actually had those scores. But I don't think we're going to get to the 70s. I think we get to the one team will hit the 60s and the other team will be in the high 50s. So winning the 2021 National Arena League Championship from yours truly, Jim Renier, with a stunning 60-58 to victory. The Columbus Lions finally win that championship in the National Arena League. And it will come down to a key interception, one of the final two drives of the game that flips the script. And this time, it's Columbus with a heart-pounding victory, except for a heartbreaking defeat like they did a couple years ago in Jacksonville. And their last appearance against Carolina, which was really a one-sided affair. This is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be right down the wire, like you said, uh, Zach. I, I I think this is the correlation of what we thought this season would be. Two best teams in the league played eight games, played each other week one. They played each other in week 13, and we're here. And Albany's won the first two, which is good. They did. They won the season series, but that's the season. This is the playoffs. There's no records. It's do or die. It's win a championship or let's start over next year. And that's the love of the game. So the championship game is this Saturday at 7 p.m. on YouTube. My boy over there in Indiana has the Albany Empire. Kind of strange. He interviews Manas. He picks the Albany Empire. I kind of interview Gibson. I pick the Columbus Lions. He's up north. I'm down south. So it could be regional bias, but still, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, all these athletes have impressed me, especially during the pandemic. Congratulations to the National Arena League of getting the whole season in without any delays or suspension of games because of the COVID. And thanks for the fans that have been supporting the league. And thank you fans for listening to us hopefully enjoy this two-part series of the championship game preview also if you're listening to us now and you're wondering when all this news is supposed to drop from the nal well they moved the media days to saturday so information about the league 
and about the games and more what happened on Saturday. Uh, so, yes, no media days because of travel, just not because of Columbus, but for other individuals who are associated with the league. So media days on Saturday. So congratulations to Columbus Lions. Congratulations to the Albany Empire. The NAL Championship, I think it's the fourth year. Yeah, it'd be the uh, fourth year. I'll, hopefully they don't start doing the end Sunday or NFL with all the Roman numerals. So this is the 2021 Championship, Albany, Columbus, and the Times Union Center in Albany. Remember, Albany fans, call Radar, get your tickets, pack the place, uh, because the Lions are coming in there with a the mission. They don't want to get 0-3. They'd rather leave one and two against Albany, but with a trophy. So it's going to be a great Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun game. Really going to be going to look forward to watching it on YouTube. And yeah, ironic how the North South split or, you know, the talks that we've had just happened to lean that way. But, you know, you know, I, 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 I much as you, I, I hope one of us proves each other wrong, of course, because, you know, I'm just glad both these teams made it because they have played the best. They've been the most impressive and they're going to make for some fireworks. Both, both right. games were still were that they played this year, been stellar round three is probably going to be, I would think all the same and we get to watch it in a few days. Exciting and pot and league news coming up even more exciting. The end of the year is great. It, it, you know, as I know that <laughs> I know we'll be missing it, of course, after the championship, but oh, so much exciting stuff this week, Jim, it, it's, yep. it's, it's a blast. Truly blessed. Oh, I'm yeah. energized. Yeah. <laughs> Just energized. Truly blessed. There's a lot of rumors out there. There's a lot of speculations out there, but me and Kazak have been telling you from day one, we will not give you rumors. We will give you facts. If it's Thank real, you. we will report it. So hopefully you enjoy Saturday championship, the media days, everything for the national arena league. And if anything drops, that's big or, Anything else that's league-related, remember to follow us on Twitter at MWallsPod or on Facebook at Inside the Walls. If we're posting about it, that means it's real because we can confirm it with actual sources within the league. Um, again, we don't spread rumors. We spread facts. And, yes, I am that guy that kind of crushes a lot of people's rumors on uh, tweets on – or, excuse me, you, don't, you can't tweet on Facebook. On Facebook <laughs> and the message boards, like, oh, the rumors say this. Uh, yeah, you can kill it. Done. We're over. <laughs> Ain't happening. Yeah, I was like, I'm that type of dude. But uh, in the walls, Paul on Facebook, in the walls pod again on Twitter, and in the walls pod on Instagram. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're, we're on Instagram. So, yes, in the walls pod for all your National Arena League coverage. And also, just want to preview guys this offseason, we will be having a lot more guests uh, joining us, players, other podcasts that cover certain cities, especially. Albany, Carolina, Orlando, and so, so forth. So we're not leaving after this. Next week will be the championship and award show. And then the good and the bad and the ugly in two weeks, which is a, an episode that I think the owners won't like, but we might have to do it anyways. And so it just tells you what the fans think about the National Arena League. So T Tough love, Jim. Tough love. Yeah, tough love. We still have a lot more great content coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. Just be safe, wear a mask, enjoy the championship week. Enjoy the weekends and make sure to keep refreshing and updating your browser for the inside the wall pod. Uh, when we, if we, any information happens, we'll drop it because we'll be the first ones to know to confirm it with you. Uh, thank you again. Enjoy the weekend folks. And Zach, I think we can close out the show. Well, we can't close up the show without remembering one thing, Jim. Oh, Columbus. It's championship game. Woo.
Oh, you mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, Columbus. Don't be a jack out box. Go win that ring for me. Woohoo! <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone.